I'm sure you've heard about ChatGPT, the artificial intelligence chatbot that was unveiled this past November. Anybody, anybody tried some of that? My, I've enjoyed working, just doing some fun stuff with that. It's amazingly quick. Uh, it's able to have conversations, and it writes fun stories. So this week, I just asked ChatGPT, I said, hey, here's what I typed, and I said, ChatGPT, write a one-minute story about Pastor Jonathan singing his sermon on Easter. Want to hear the response? This came up like in about eight seconds. This is amazing. Straight from ChatGPT. On Easter, Pastor Jonathan walked up to the pulpit and cleared, <laughs> cleared his throat. The congregation was ready to hear his sermon, but instead of speaking, Pastor Jonathan began to sing. At first, the congregation was taken aback, but as the pastor's voice filled the church, they began to feel the power of the music. The melody and lyrics of the song were like nothing they had ever heard before, and they soon realized that Pastor Jonathan had written the entire sermon as a song. As he sang, the pastor moved around the church, weaving in and out of the aisles and leading the congregation in a song. People who had never sung before found themselves caught up in the music. <laughs> in my dreams. <laughs> Their voices blending together in perfect harmony. By the end of the song, the entire congregation was on their feet, clapping and cheering. It was a powerful and unforgettable moment that brought the church community closer together and inspired them all to carry the message of hope and faith into their daily lives. Yes. In seven seconds, that's the story. So you know we just voted a little bit ago. I just want to have a vote right now. How many of you would like me to sing my sermon this <laughs> <laughs> My kids, any of you watching online are like, Dad, don't, don't even think about it. We'll kill you. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun with ChatGPT. Maybe you'll go home today and try a couple things like tell me about the Cleveland Browns winning the Super Bowl <laughs> or something like that. A lot of what happens, though, on ChatGPT is, is, is straight-up fiction, right? It's just like it's just made-up stuff, and that's one of the dangers of, like, People are going to believe all kinds of false theories and conspiracies and stuff. And some people believe that's really Easter. Like they, they'd say, you know, I, I, I believe that Easter was sort of a legend that built up that they wanted to keep Jesus alive in their memory. And so, you know, that their three years of following him wasn't a waste. And, and so they developed the story and it just began to build and grow. And, and it's sort of like a fictional account or is it? If it happened, like it's this life-changing kind of message. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to read Dr. Luke's eyewitness account of what some first century people say they actually experienced. So would you read with me this historical account together? Let's read it aloud. We'll, uh, the verses are on the screen, so let's, let's say it together. You ready? Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. 
that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. And as they say, the rest is history. And this little band of followers, maybe 100 or so strong, would explode to become the world's largest faith family, today fully one-third of the world's population, who in some sense say, we believe that this account is actually historical fact. Most would at least agree, even if they doubt that it really happened, would say that if Jesus came back to life, it is the turning point of history. If he did, if it really happened, his words and his claim to divinity take on great significance, right? And if he didn't, let's just be honest, Christianity is false and Jesus is just a footnote in history and us being here is sort of a waste of time. Can I just say again, verifying the resurrection for yourself is worth the effort. Like it really is. I've listed a couple of authors in your notes that I found compelling, rational, strong, intelligent arguments. But let's just say for now, that let's just say that the Easter event happened, that it really 2,000 years ago, that a guy who is dead in a graveyard, not breathing for three days, started to breathe again. Apart from the fact that it happened, the question is, so what, right? So what? Because there's a lot of things we believe in history, but we go, we just sort of assign it to the dusty shelves of history, and we go, you know what? That's sort of, yeah, I believe it happened. It doesn't really impact my life today. What is the impact of the Easter event? Like, why is this the time that people go, if I'm going to go to church, or this is, you know, I'm going to dress up, this is, this is going to be, and it doesn't matter if you didn't dress up, but, but this is the day I'm going to celebrate. Why? What, why is Easter a game changer for those who believe this to be historical fact and who trust in Jesus? I want us to listen to an individual who was personally transformed by Jesus coming back to life. He encountered him face to face, and then he shared his experience with us. You know his name. His name is Peter, and I want to read his first, from his first letter, chapter 1. It's right toward the end of the New Testament, and you're welcome to turn there with me, or you'll see the section that I'll be reading on the screen. Just before I do, I just want to uh, say hello to, we have, you might know that we're one church in three locations, so to our friends at Olmstead Falls, Columbia Road, you're going to see a picture up here from our Good Friday service, and uh, we just had a great time a couple of nights ago, Pastor Kareem speaking. And then we have a campus at Lorraine Correctional. About 100 guys participate there in different kinds of activities. In fact, those guys are not able, most of them, to have family with them. Can you just uh, express your love to them here and uh, just tell them that they're not forgotten? And then there uh, are hundreds more of you who are engaging from different places like Brook Park and Brundage, Alabama and Columbus and Colorado Springs and Senegal and Burkina and people I love and, and uh, you know who you are and uh, high fives and love from, from the Grace family this, this Easter. All right, First Peter chapter one, let's listen. And what does Peter say is the impact of the resurrection for, for, for those who say, yeah, I accept that this really happened. What's the so what? First Peter chapter one, verse three, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. 
because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with what? Great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be, what? Truly glad. What he's saying is this, that if you, if you really catch the game-changing nature of the resurrection, he goes, you can live with great expectation. Whatever's happening in your life, you can be truly glad. That's what Peter says. That if Jesus won the battle with death, that that means death is not the final chapter for Jesus or for us and that him coming back to life that you and I can actually experience a personal relationship with Jesus. So what difference does it make? Let's just look and see what Peter says here. I just, I put it in three different statements in your notes. If you're wondering where those are, if you didn't get them on the way in or if you're engaging online, you can just go to our webpage, gracelymay.org. You'll see the bulletin, the notes are right there. Number one, you experience a new life that is filled with purpose. He says it's by God's great mercy that we have been born again. That's what Christianity is all about. Like you're born a second time, not your physical birth, but you're born, something changes in your life. It's like Jesus pushes the reset button and you're born into a family. You're no longer a prisoner to your past. You have a new beginning. It's like you're born into a fresh kind of life where Jesus himself comes to live within you. And there are dramatic changes. Just a couple of those. Number one, you're adopted into a family. And you're adopted, you're, you're, you're known by name. You're welcomed, you're valued. Isn't that what we all want in life? To know like in a whatever group, you know, you're hanging out, you go, if I, just if people, I want to be known and, and welcomed and valued by people that I care about. That's what happens when you're born again into the family of Jesus, that, that you're adopted. You're also forgiven. Any, any regrets of your past, the shame that you carry, things that you go, man, if I could just redo that one. But you can't, but Jesus says, that's why I came to pay the penalty for you so that all of the stuff in your life can be, can be washed away. Like you can, it's gone forever that he, he, he covers it by what he did on the cross. Adopted, forgiven, and then he fills you with the Holy Spirit, that, that the same spirit that brought Jesus from death comes and lives within you, and you have his power to, to overcome the hurtful habits in your life and, and to win the battle with temptation and to become the person that Jesus always intended for you to be, the best version of you, that the Holy Spirit comes in to your life like Jesus is with you, you're never alone. When you're born again, it, it, it's not just a sliver of your life, it's, it's your life. Like you, you're adopted, you're forgiven, you're filled with the Spirit of God. There's this new change in your life. Peter goes on. He affirms that no matter what you go through, that your pain and loss are transformed by a bigger story, a better story. Verse five, he says, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though, listen to this, he doesn't deny you will endure many trials for a little while. When you begin to follow Christ, it's not like pain and suffering evaporate from your life. I wish, right? But that's not the case. We live in a broken world still. 
But he says that you, you can still live with great joy. Why? Because there's wonderful joy ahead, which means this. Whatever you face, Jesus writes your final chapter, right? Isn't that the, the story of Easter itself? That what appeared to be the greatest evil in the history of the world, that there's this innocent man whose arms are stretched out on a cross, God himself ended up being resulting in the greatest and most thrilling comeback victory the world has ever seen. Jesus beats death. God writes the final chapter always. There's a, an author I follow who experienced the recent crushing loss of his uh, young daughter, and he's a follower of Jesus, and here's what he wrote. He says, great stories always include moments that seem hopelessly dark, Oh, that we would trust in the storyteller during those times. God is weaving together a masterpiece that will make sense of everything in the end. If you're going through a time right now that is hopelessly dark, when you come to Jesus, you come to the one who, who actually writes the best stories and writes the final chapter and which leads us to the one more reason that Easter can matter for you. We can mention many more, but when you put your trust in Jesus, you have an amazing future awaiting you in heaven. Here's what it says in verse three again. Now we live with great expectation because we have a, a priceless inheritance, an inheritance waiting in heaven for you. There's an interaction that Jesus has one day with his uh, followers and he sends them on a short-term missions trip, essentially, and they're, they're out doing stuff, and they're watching lives be transformed, and things happen they never expected, and they're just like, wow, this is amazing. And they come back to Jesus, and they tell Jesus, they go, Jesus, you're not going to believe what happened. They start, you know, they're just like, it's one of those things that are probably just, they're, they're overflowing with stuff about what happened. And, and Jesus listens, and he's like, wow, that's great. You know, I just, I, I, I knew that would happen, but he goes, you know what, that's not the most important thing. That's not the best thing about you. Do you know what the best thing about you is? This is Luke chapter 10, verse 20. He says, here's the best thing about you. I want you to rejoice that your names are what? Written in heaven. That when you trust in Jesus, that your name is actually written in heaven. Think about that. That every person who says, Jesus, I put my trust in you, you deserve the central place in my life. What you did when you came, you did for me, Jesus. I want to follow you, that your name is written in heaven. You come to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, the second last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 21. Uh, it, it tells us who's going to get into heaven, and here's what it says in, in Revelation 21, verse 27. It says, only those whose, what? Names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you belong to him and your name is written in heaven, you know what he promises you? It says in a little bit early in Revelation, I will never erase their names from the book of life. Do you hear that? I'll never erase their names. Some of you have times in your past, like maybe in high school where you were a standout athlete or scholar or whatever, and you, you made some kind of board. You know, let's say you... You know, you're on the four by 100 and, and track and, and you're like, wow, my name is up on that board. And, and you're, you're, you're up there on the honor board. People walk through the hallway and they're like, wow, there's the best time ever. And your name will be up there until what? Someone beats you, right? And they, they break your record. Then what do they do to your name? They erase, they, they, take your, they take your little name thing off, right? 
Like in this life, a lot of times our names are remembered for a bit and then they're sort of like, it. but with Jesus, you know the difference here? He says, I'll never, what? Erase your name. I'll never erase your name. I wanna ask, is your name written in heaven? You might go, man, I would definitely wanna make sure that it is. I mean, how can I know? Like, how does that become personal? Thankfully, the Bible tells us many times. And here's what it says in, according to Peter in verse five. In fact, would you say this verse with me aloud, starting with and through, ready? Let's say it together. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. How does it happen? Through your faith. In other words, you don't have to make some kind of pilgrimage. You don't have to jump in a river somewhere to cleanse yourself from your sins. You don't have to make, you just put your faith in Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you. That you you really came because you, you cared about me. And you came to, to deal with my problem of sin and to adopt me into your family and to make me a, to experience your presence and to write my name in heaven. So let me ask you again, has Easter become personal for you like that? I realize that, uh, especially in a holiday service, that uh, there are folks who come because it's like, if I didn't come, mom would be like just nagging me all Easter. No, your mom would never do that. Uh, but maybe your significant other would or somebody. And you came because you're like, it's going to be a happier Easter if I just go ahead and, and, you know, and so I'm here. I just tell you, I am really, really glad you came. And you're welcome anytime. Grace is a place that we just say it's a safe place wherever you are on your spiritual journey. Okay, can I tell you something? That, that Jesus knew thousands of years ago, that you would be here today, April 2023, and he wanted to get your attention long enough to say to you, I love you, I came for you, and I want you to be part of my family. And when you trust in me, I will come, I'll wash away all of your regret, I'll come and I'll fill your life, and I'll write your name in heaven. That's what he came to do. We're going to close the service with a prayer here. And it's a prayer that's similar to what I and a lot of other people have prayed. It's not really the words. It's really the direction of your heart. That when you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to him, that, that he, he gives you new birth. And, and all of those things about forgiveness and adoption and his spirit and, and your name being written in, hap, in heaven happens to you. It's... Here's the promise of the Bible. It says in John chapter one, it says, to all who believe Jesus and accept them, he gives right, the right to become children of God. In other words, when we pray, we're, we're, we're saying, Jesus, I believe in you and I accept you. Now let me just say, this isn't like just something you just sort of add Jesus to your life. This is saying, Jesus, you're not coming into my life as a guest, you're coming in as the leader, the Lord of my life. It's not my way from here on, it's gonna be your way. But it's really the best way because everything that he would direct you in is for your good. And so if you're ready, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me and, and just to open up your heart uh, to him and say, Jesus, I, I want that. You maybe came today and go, I was not even expecting anything like this, but you're feeling a tug in your heart. And you're going, I, I, I do want, I, I want for Easter to make a difference for me. I want Jesus to have his rightful place in my life. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer 
And, and I'll pray first, and then I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. And, and I'm gonna just ask all of us to pray so nobody prays alone. And uh, so I'll pray first, and then I'll, I'll have you join me in that, okay? So let's, let's, uh, let's pray and just talk to the God we know is listening to us right now. You ready? I'll pray first. Father, there are people here today uh, who have never really started a relationship with you. They know about you, maybe. They, they, they believe enough to say, I'm, I'm here in Easter, but they just have never really trusted you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would give them the courage right now to open up their heart and their mind and their life to you. And now it's your turn. I'm gonna invite you to say the prayer with me you see on the screen. Let's, would you pray with me? Allow us just all pray together. You ready? Dear God, I like a new start in life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. I believe you sent your only son, Jesus, to die for my sins and set me free from the fear of death. Jesus, I want to open up my life to you and get to know you. As much as I know how, I invite you to take leadership of my life from this day forward. I want to learn how to trust you. Please put your spirit in my life to direct me. Thank you for adopting me into your family and writing my name in heaven. Amen. Hey, would you thank Jesus for all of those who prayed that for the first time?